Okay, right. Today, we have the pleasure of introducing Gary, who's come to bring the Word of God. So, Father, we just thank you for Gary. We thank you for what you are going to speak through him. We're, we're excited to hear from you, Lord. So, we just hand over to your servant, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen, amen. Hey, you guys are looking good. Are you feeling good? I know you're feeling good. You don't even have to say, yeah, I know you're feeling good. Because I walked in here this morning and I thought, wow, these guys are, these guys are living my talk. You're living my talk? Oh, no. There's a little clue there. That's the title. Where's my glorious and inexpressible joy? We had the, all the stuff at the back there. We had the, the talk about it being a party. Everyone was praying about joy when we were praying at the start. We've been singing about devotion to Christ it's wonderful. It's so much something that is on my heart. So, um, you know, I'm so glad you're getting a new building, or it looks likely that you're going to get a new building. That is so glad. And when I, when I come here and I see, and I see what's in your hearts, and I see the joy that's there, and I see the excitement that's there, and I see the outreach that is in your hearts, and I just like to think, what does God see? What does God see? God wants so many to be added to your number. God wants people to be blessed. God wants to work with you in bringing people into his freedom, into his life, the things we've been sharing about, the things we've been talking about. God wants to bring people in and he wants to use you. So keep on seeking him. Keep on loving him. Keep on rejoicing in him. Keep on dancing with him. Keep on pursuing him and crying out to him for the people that you meet. Go out and meet the people. Go out and meet the people. And make a difference to their lives. It is hard work. It's what I do all day, every day in my job, as most of you know, is meeting with broken people. But keep on doing good. Do not give up. Keep on doing good. Keep reaching out. And one day God will say, now is the time. And he will bring in the numbers. For me, in Maidenhead, God spoke to me a few years ago. And I had one of those little bartering sessions with God. You know, like um, Abraham did, and talking about um, Sodom and Gomorrah and... He was saying, how many people, how many people? Well, I was going sort of in the other, in the other direction, and, and God said to me, how many people do you, do you want to see saved? How many people do you want to see added? Because that's the joy. The joy in what I do is when somebody responds to Christ. I love to see people being set debt-free. I love to see their lives improving. That's good. That's really good. But the exciting thing is when their lives are changed and transformed and they are set free and they come into the joy that we know. And they come into the presence of God and they know their saviour and, um, and they're brought into all the things and the promises that he has for them. That is the good news. And he said to me, how many do you want? I started praying. I said, Lord, I just want to see, I don't know, 10? 10 will be good? You know, I've, 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 it's, it's really hard because I've seen, I, it's hard to put a number on it because I've seen people blessed. But I want, how many do you, how many do you want to see saved where you can say, I, I helped in that situation. It's God that sets people free. It's God that saves people. It's not us. But you know, sometimes God works through us and we're the channel through, through which God works. So how many people, I've seen a few people, this and that and all the other. I want to see 10. I want to look around the church and go, one, two, three, four. I, I was instrumental. I was a part of that. I walked with God. I partnered with God in those 10 people. Not enough. Not enough. That's not enough. Okay, Lord, pray for 50 people. 50 people. Oh, man of God. Yeah. 50 people. That would be good, wouldn't it? 
It's not enough. Not enough. All right, Lord, I've got faith for 100 people. 100 people! Bring in 100 people, Lord. Not enough. Not enough. And he kept saying, not enough, not enough. Well, actually, I don't think that, that God had a number in mind, but I chickened out at 1,000. <laughs> I chickened out. I thought, okay, Lord, I'll tell you what, I'm going to do a deal with you. I'm going to pray for 1,000 souls into the kingdom of God. That's what I want to see in my lifetime. Between now and then, I want to see 1,000 people saved. I want to be involved in meetings where we worship God, where we dance for joy, where I know the people there that have been set free from all sorts of pain, anxiety, poverty, all these kind of things, addictions. I want to see them set free. I want to see 1,000 people where I know I've had some small part in it. You've set them free, but... I want to partner with you in it. 1,000 people. And if we get to 1,000 and I'm still alive, then maybe we can renegotiate. But wouldn't it, be, wouldn't it be great? Wouldn't it be great if you guys, in five years from now, you're 100 strong? Yes. Wouldn't, wouldn't that be great? I think there's about 15, 20 here. Wouldn't it be great if you were 100 strong in five years from now? Or 100,000? My goodness. That's more ambition than I've got. But yeah, let's go, let's go for it. You know, and so keep on. Keep on. The one thing I've learned in life is perseverance is so important. Keeping on with God. He never fails. But boy, does he take his time sometimes. <laughs> yeah? So I was thinking about a verse. Oh, no. I've, I always have this on the top of my notes. It says, pray. I've got to do that. I've got to, otherwise I just start talking. This is about God, isn't it? So, Father, I just pray that you'd be here by your Holy Spirit this morning, that you would speak to all all of us, Father. So much of what I believe you want to say has already been said. But, Father, you're going to whisper as we go along. You're going to whisper new things into our hearts. You're going to speak to us individually, because we're all individuals. Father, I pray your Spirit will speak truth to us. pray your Spirit will speak wonderful, liberating truths to us. And we will... Each one of us will go home with one thought at least, one thought in our mind to ponder and to draw us closer to you. Yeah, Father, be here in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, I was reading a verse the other day, uh, and I thought, that's cool, starts off good. Let's see how it finishes. 1 Peter 1, verse 8. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. Amen to that verse. But I don't know about you, but let's be honest. The first half of that verse, I'm claiming that. I am claiming that. Yes, of course I don't see him. I haven't seen him face to face, eye to eye. But I definitely love him. Yes. And I don't even know. I believe in him. I believe in him. Yes. That is true. I suspect all of us in this room can claim that. We love him. We believe in him. And are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. Oh my goodness. Have you got the glorious and inexpressible joy? Is it bursting in you? Because I have to be honest, it's, it's squeaking out of me a little bit. It's definitely there. I feel it now. I feel it as part of my life now. And um, it's definitely there. But I'm not sure that all of us all the time have got an inexpressible and glorious joy. So where is my inexpressible and glorious joy? God doesn't put things in and not mean them. 
That's what he wants for us. He wants us to be full of joy. He wants us to be dancing. He wants us to be singing. He wants our eyes turned to him, to be focused on him, to be looking to him all the time and thinking, yes, yes, this is life. This is life in abundance. This is what he called me for. This is what he wants to do. This is how he has changed me. He's changed me. He's given me promises. He's going he's gonna to see those lived out in my life. Then he's going to take me into eternity to be with him forever. That is exciting. That is an inexpressible and glorious joy. And that's what I want for me. That's what I want for you. That's what I want for every single person on the face of this earth. Be it a small, modest 1,000. Be it a slightly more ambitious 100,000. Be it 8 billion or whatever the number is. Now God wants every single soul brought into his kingdom. And he wants us filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. Because he knows how good he can be to us. And he knows how good he wants to be to us. And he wants to do it. He wants us to have that joy. Wow, so we are talking about joy today and um, if you're not feeling joyful every moment of every day, this is not to condemn you, but it's about to say, you know, if we see the story, if we understand who God is and what God is doing in our lives, then joy is going to start breaking out. It is going to start breaking out. When you realise who God is, you cannot help but smile. When you feel his presence with you, you cannot help but grin. You cannot help but lift your hands in worship. You cannot help but want to dance. Or if you're not so, you just shake it, shake it, shake it. That's all you can do. That's all you can do for God. Yeah, you want to dance. You want to dance. I was at a worship meeting on Friday. I tell you, it was my birthday this week. Yeah, woo, woo. Somebody told me it was my Heinz birthday, 57. Apparently that's the thing, or it is now. And now I've told 20 people it'll start spreading till it's known worldwide. Everyone talks about that. Where did that originate from? It was this meeting. You were here when it happened. Okay. It was the Heinz birthday. And do you know, unbelievably and unexpectedly, I have been prophesied over at least, well, in three different sessions this week. Oh, can you believe that? I went out to a prayer meeting on my birthday, which was Tuesday, and all of a sudden they were prophesying over me. And it's the kind of prophecies you don't want to tell people about because they're, they're kind of nice, you know. And God, God, see, God sees bits, which I certainly struggle to see. And you would probably struggle to see in me, but it was wonderful. And then I went to a leadership team meeting on the Wednesday. And, um, and we do a thing in our leadership team in Maidenhead. Well, when, it's some, when someone's had a birthday in the previous week... There's cakes and the stuff, and there's a singing of happy birthday. And then there's prayer. And they all started prophesying. Can you believe it? And they all started prophesying nice things, which were good, you know, better than the other way, I suppose. But they all started prophesying nice things. And they prophesied things that were in line with what I'd received on Tuesday. I'm thinking, oh my goodness, God, you're speaking to me. You keep saying the same thing through different people that were not connected to each other. They haven't planned it. And they were doing it. And then on Friday, because I go to I go to quite a few worship meetings. And on Friday, I went off to a worship meeting. I go to all these worship meetings and no one knows who I am. Okay, no one knows who. Well, they kind of got a vague. You've been around a bit, haven't you? You keep turning up. There's no one from River Church there. So it's different regional worship meetings that I've hooked into a movement called Burn. And, um, and they were working with another church over in somewhere near Reading. I don't know, I was driving through all sorts of forests and woods to get there. I felt a bit spooky, actually, but then I got there. And luckily there was God's people and there was some worships. That was good. I had a, I had a, I had a brilliant time. And, and they had a band there, a worship band, whose gift was prophetic singing. 
prophetic. So what they would do is they would take individuals and they would sing over them and they would prophesy in prayer and song. And, and they said, anybody who wants that at the end, the meeting's finished now, but we will do this ministry if you want it. You know, one thing I've learned in my life is stop praying for other people if you're not going to be prayed for yourself. I, mean, I do this in Maidenhead every week. If the prayer team, is, we have a, uh, a prayer sort of ministry, in the co- they sit in the corner, prayer place we call it, and if you want prayer, you can go over there. So I have a look over every week. If no one's sitting, I go over and say, well, pray for me. I want more blessing. You don't have to reach a certain status where you have a certain, certain platform or something that people think, oh, you're sorted or anything. And you don't, of course, that's rubbish. Of course you need prayer. Even if nothing's going wrong, I want prayer. I want blessing. I want it in abundance. I want more. I want extra. Come on, pray for me. Pray for me. And so I go and get prayed for. But these guys, so I said, oh, I'm going to go and get prayed for. I'm going to get sung over. Not done this before. Let's go and get sung over. So I went there and I sat in the chair. It's quite funny because they all sit in a circle around you and you're sat there. I am the humble Christian. Please sing and pray over me. And so you feel very small. But, um, <laughs> but <laughs> so I thought I'd get my own in. I, I prayed a blessing of anointing on them first and, says, uh, and asked that God would anoint them to say good things to me. So that was good. So I thought we'd get a bit of a thing going on, you know, between us. So... And, they, and they, again, they prophesied. They, and they started prophesying all the th- It was amazing. They were prophesying over me things I'd been making jokes about that week. I've just been making jokes about my life. And I'm kind of, because I'm a dad, I'm good at dad jokes and things like that. And I say the same things repeatedly. I mansplain a lot, you know, and do that kind of stuff. So I, I go on and on and on and on. And my wife and kids are always going, not oh, again. Goodness sake, how many times has he trotted that out and smiled as though it were new? But I've been doing these jokes about myself that week, you know, and these guys then started prophesying over me the same stuff. And it was good, and they started, they started bringing up verses that other people had prophesied over me. They started bringing up some of my favorite lines that I speak in church. I thought, oh my goodness, I was crying. I was, I was in tears. I said, I'm sorry, but you, you've, you've hit the nail on the head and God is speaking to me. So we want an abundance and a blessing. It would be good if I got on with this, wouldn't it? So, <laughs> do you know, when I was thinking ab- uh, about this, um, this verse, I want to read, um, yeah, I'm going to read the, read the passage that it's in. Okay, this is from 1 Peter 1. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. In all this you greatly rejoice. Though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith, of greater worth than gold which perishes, even though refined by fire, may result in praise, honour and glory when Jesus Christ is revealed. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. So that was the passage God led me to, and I've given the key verse in there. But I was thinking about it, I was thinking, well, how do you get joy? How do you get joy? Why is it that we can love Jesus, we can be committed to him, we can give our lives to him, 
And yet so many of us don't have joy. And I thought, well, what causes joy? I thought, I have to keep this simple because I'm a simple person. I thought, it's when you've got love and hope combined, isn't it? It's love and hope. When you know you're loved and when you know it's only going to get better and better, that makes you want to dance. That's joy. It's knowing those two things together. So the first ingredient, next slide, please. My slides, are very, my slides are very boring. I just have little notes to keep me on track, you know. So you, you won't get a lot of information from the slides, but hopefully that's love. Um, the first ingredient in this mix is love. How do we get to love? How do we get to experiencing love? Well, we love him because he first loved us. John tells us that. It's so important to know that God is a God of love. You know, and Paul wrote about it in many of his letters. And one of my favorite passages about love is in Ephesians. So I'm going to read you. This is what Paul said to the Ephesians. You'll know, you'll know these verses. You'll know these verses, definitely. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him is, who is able to do immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. Amen. Well, the first thing to notice is he uses the word power here. And we think of power and we think of might and we think of strength and we think of dominion and authority and all these kind of things. But you know when God uses the word power? He talks about transformation in the inner being. That is God's power. God's power is to change people's hearts. That's what God is good at doing. That's how he exerts his power. That's how he brings his presence. He transforms our hearts. He tells us elsewhere in Corinthians that God's power is made perfect in weakness. It's in our weakness where God's power comes. His power is to give us a revelation of the love of God. And that is what strengthens our souls. Do you know what the love of God is like? It says in this passage, it says it is wide. The love of God is so wide. It stretches from here to there. It doesn't matter what gender you are. It doesn't matter what age you are. It doesn't matter how clever you are or not. It, some of you are thinking, ooh, ooh, that's me, that's me. I'm not the clever one. It doesn't matter what the color of your skin is. It doesn't matter what your age is. Can anybody here name anybody who God would reject? No, you can't. God's love is that wide. We know that, don't we? And yet sometimes we think it excludes me. Sometimes we think it excludes us. And God says, no, my love is wider than that. It is deep. God's love is deep. You know, he sees everything. Okay, I'm sure, like me, I hope, it, I hope it's not just me. Okay, there's been some things in my life that have happened that were not so good. Very painful things. Sometimes things that happened to me. Some things that were done by me that were not good. It's deep, and God has been there in all of those hurts, in all of those pains, in all of those mistakes. He has seen everything about it. And actually, there's a little side note here. 
talk to God about those things. I find it's very liberating. I talk to God about stuff that I don't talk to anybody else about. There's, there's secrets between me and God because he was there. He knows. He knows what it does to me. He knows when I think about it, how it makes me feel. And there'll probably be things like that in your lives as well, I expect. There are things. Talk to God about it. He knows. Even the, the, even the temptation and the sin and all that stuff, talk to him about it. It's deep. He's seen it all. And yet his love still reaches us. He still loves us. He still cares for us. It's long. It lasts a lifetime and it lasts beyond into eternity. His love never fails. It never gives up. You're thinking, oh, there's a song for next week. When we love as people, there's often a limit. But things can grow cold in human love. But God's love never loses interest in you or in me. And it's high. His love lifts us out of worldly concerns. It causes us to rise up on wings like eagles, to soar in the heights. You know, so often we're like little chickens, aren't we? We're scratching around looking for the next meal. There's my next meal. There it is. There's my job, there's my house, there's my car, there's my designer clothes, there's my whatever it is we're into. And God says, oh, for goodness sake, you're not a chicken, you're an eagle. Stop looking at the ground, start looking at the heavens, spread your wings, fly, fly, fly. I called you to be an eagle, not a chicken. That's how high His love is for us. If only we knew this love that surpasses knowledge. And let's not forget verse 20. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. You know, this is so often thought about as God's provision. You know, God can do immeasurably more and we talk about a difficult situation and God can do more than we can ask or imagine. Let's pray and let's see what God can do. Yeah, and that's all true. But you know, this is passage about love. This is about being transformed. This is about understanding God's love. He can do immeasurably more than we can ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. What's the best relationship you could ask or imagine with God? What's the best way you could imagine your relationship with God? Imagine that. If you were as close to God as you could imagine you could possibly be, that your love relationship with God was as good as it could possibly be. I hope you've asked God for that. And God says, yes. In fact, but I'm going to do more, immeasurably more than you can ask or imagine. Your relationship with God, what he has designed for you, the purpose that he has for you, the love that he has for you, is immeasurably more than even your best imaginations of it. That's how much God loves you. I'm very aware, Julie, that I talk and I carry on. So if you feel fidgety and think it's about time to shut up now, um, if you politely tell me that, I will draw things to a close because I've got a few more things to say and I can carry on. But if you do feel that, I'm really open to being told, whew, more. But if you want more, we'll carry on. We've got more. Hope. Hope. So we've got love. That's our first ingredient. Hope is our second ingredient. Oh, you're ahead of me. Yay. I thought, I thought that was good. Hope is trusting God for the future. He gives us an inheritance that can never perish, spoil or fade. 
This inheritance is kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded by God's power. More power there. Until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. You know, things come to an end. And that's true. Things do come to an end in this world. But God's ways are higher than our ways. Our inheritance is one that can never perish, spoil or fade. This was something that really struck me when I was younger. That I always used to think, everything that's good that happens in my life comes to an end. Why can't it go on forever? Yeah, and then then the God of heaven got hold of me and said, you silly boy. You silly boy. I last forever. My love for you will last forever. My kingdom lasts forever. My hope lasts forever. Your relationship with me will last forever. It will not perish, spoil or fade. You know, somebody said to me in Maidenhead the other day, it really, really annoyed me actually, really annoyed me. So I get a bit angry, yeah, get a bit angry about it. So he said, oh, as we grow as Christians, you know, we're all excited when we meet Jesus. But then as we mature, as we mature, we calm down a bit. And we have a more measured approach. This guy's 30 years younger than me, and he wants to have a measured approach. Oh, my goodness. I go, no, we've got to dance, we've got to dance, we've got to sing. Come on. Come on, this is not a love that fades or spoils or perishes. This is a love that grips your heart and takes you day by day into the next thing and the next thing and the next thing. And we keep going and it gets better and better and better and better. It's like a love affair that never ends. Yeah? One or two of you may have been involved in a love affair in your life at some point. I, I, I have been. Sadly, human love affairs do, do, do you know, we, we mature, don't we? But for, we mature in God as well. Don't get me wrong, of course we mature in God. Of course we have a, a solidity to our faith and a stability to our faith. But for some reason with God, or perhaps it's just me, perhaps I haven't matured enough yet. That might be the reason, okay? So you can dismiss that and think, you know, you just ain't grown up yet. But um, it gets better. For me, it gets better. God is more exciting. For some reason, when he says he loves me, it's so exciting every morning when I wake up and he says, I still love you, you know. Yes! Yes! Another day. Another day living in the presence of God's love. Wow, that is good. So how do we know it's true, though? How do we know these things? How do we know that such hope and such promises are true? And Paul tells us how. Okay, he says, and listen to these verses. Now it is God who makes both us and you stand firm in Christ. He anointed us and set his seal of ownership on us and put his spirit in our hearts as a deposit guaranteeing what is to come. That's in Corinthians. Later on in the same letter he says, For while we are in this tent, that's our life here, we groan on our burden because we do not wish to be unclothed but to be clothed instead with our heavenly dwelling so that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. Now the one who has fashioned us for this very purpose is God who has given us the Spirit as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. Ephesians, he says, When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit, guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession. Paul knew the Holy Spirit was a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. If we ever doubt what God has in store for us, we have the Holy Spirit. We have a taste now. It's like when you go to a banquet and you, ooh, 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 they come out first and they come out a little aperitif. <laughs> mm, I'm going to enjoy tonight. We've had a little taster. 
And it's a deposit. If you put a deposit down on something, it's a small payment guaranteeing a much larger payment. You put a deposit on a house, it's 5%, something like that, 10%. I think it's getting high now for the young people. But you put a deposit down, it's a guarantee of a big payout. My goodness, can you imagine what we experience now in our best moments in God? And that's just a deposit. That's just a small down payment of what is to come. It's almost, almost like God is able to do immeasurably more than we could possibly ask or imagine. What we have now, the joy we have now, is a deposit. It's a small down payment. It's like an engagement ring. Here's another picture for you. Okay, It's like an engagement ring. A promise has been made. A promise has been made. The man and the lady are in love and they want to spend their lives together. So a promise is made and a ring is slipped on the finger. You don't have the fullness of the marriage when you get engaged. But not in the world that I come from, which is very old-fashioned and all that kind of stuff. You don't have the fullness of the marriage when you get engaged but you have the promise. What happens, particularly to the women, and we're mostly women in the room today, I've seen the men are banished to the the side. Yeah, I've got some, I've been making notes, I've noticed. (laughs) Ladies, what happens when you get engaged? (laughs) Yes, we're getting married, we've got to get a venue, got to get a venue, got to speak to my mother about this. Definitely got to speak to my mother about this wedding that's coming up. Got to choose a dress. Got to get the bridesmaids. Got to do my hair. Do my makeup. Whatever you do, I don't understand it. But you do all that stuff. And you're excited about the date. And you know the promise is coming. You know the promise is You know the promise is good. You know the promise is true. You have a taste of it and you have the excitement. Well, my goodness, there's a promise coming for us. The wedding feast of the Lamb. Yeah? Yeah? We are part of the bride. We are part of the bride. And we are going to come into fullness of love with God. We are coming into fullness of love with our God, our Saviour, our hope, our Deliverer, the one who loves our souls. We are coming into that place with him. We have that. Okay. We're still good. We're still good. Let's go on to the next one. Turning the ingredients into a meal. We've got two ingredients. We've got love and hope. So what comes next? We've got to put these two things together. We've got to find a way. Back to our passage from 1 Peter. In all this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory and honour when Jesus Christ is revealed. That would be a hard part, didn't there? It was all good before. We were talking about love. We were talking about hope. We were talking about weddings. We were talking about joy. Oh dear, and in other words, trials and grief has come up. Hmm. James says something similar. He says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. 
We face trials, don't we, and suffer grief. Why? Why? Why couldn't we just have the love and the joy bit? Wouldn't that be nice? Yeah, I'm happy. And somehow I'm happy and yeah. You know God's in charge of this world. He's designed it to be as it is. So why that bit? Why why couldn't it just be more joy and more excitement and more blessing and all these things in abundance? Why is it we have that? You know, it's those difficulties and those trials and those, those situations that draw us to God. It's a way, sometimes, of realising that we could love him a bit more, we could depend on him a bit more, we could trust in him a bit more. Sometimes, God uses these trials to show us there's something else he's got for us. There's a, there's a better way, there's a higher way, there's a, there's a deeper way with him. Sometimes, it's just a way to demonstrate his love in a hurting world. So there's two, kinds of, there's two kinds of griefs that we face. Sometimes it's grief that is just to glorify God and to show what God has done. Do you know, it's, I'm so embarrassed by this sometimes. Uh, I've got to control myself. When people have a go at me, and sometimes people have a go at me, I've had people shout in my face before. They're not like something or something. And I've been relatively innocent in all of some of these situations. And people have shouted at me, and I start smiling. I start, I start grinning. I'm like this, and I think, don't grin. It's not very polite, is it? You're supposed to look sad or a bit like this. And someone's shouting at you. And, um, and I'm grinning. You know why I'm grinning? On the inside, I'm thinking, I'm not bothered by the insults. I'm so happy because he loves me. This person's calling me a worthless piece of whatever word you want to put in there. But I'm still happy because God loves me. Yeah? So I start grinning and I start rejoicing and the person's saying, you're horrible, Gary, you're nasty, you did this wrong, you did that wrong, you made this mistake, you keep getting it wrong. And I'm thinking, God still loves me. This doesn't bother me. It's like water off a duck's back. I'm not having a go at them. I'm just delighted and I'm rejoicing in the years that, that I've been walking with God and he's changed me. He's changed me that I'm not offended. I'm not hurt. Because what does the opinion of somebody who isn't God count? What does it matter what somebody else says about you? I mean, if they speak truth, and let's be humble, sometimes God uses other people to speak truth to us, and we need to respond to that. But if it's a lie, it's a lie. It's a stupid lie. Yeah? And people sometimes make this based on your personality. Um, I'm not asking you to think about this one too long, but I've got a certain personality. And people interpret that certain ways. And sometimes they interpret it in a way that is not a very godly way. And they think I'm something that I'm not. Well, you're wrong. You're wrong. There's definitely things wrong with me. Yeah? Here's the the deal. Here's the deal. Little secret. Let's stop recording on the tape now. You buy me one pint, I'll tell you my dreams, my hopes, my excitement in the kingdom of God. You buy me a second pint, I'll tell you my fears and my worries and my insecurities. Never buy me a third pint. Never buy me a third pint. We're going to a dark place then. But no, seriously, there's things, there's things, you know, we've all got things in our lives. But sometimes when we face grief and trial, it's just an attack of the enemy. And we can say, sorry, I don't care what you do to me. You can take away my life if you want. I'm still rejoicing God. You take away my life, 
my eyes will close and then my eyes will open in his presence and I'll be dancing and I'll be singing and I'll be rejoicing because when that day comes and I'm in eternity forever with him, I will be so fulfilled. I'm excited about being fulfilled. I'm excited about being all that God wants me to be. The deposit is pretty good. I like the deposit. fills me with joy. But I want the fullness. I keep speaking to God about that. What do you want me to do? Is there more for me to do? As soon as you run out of things for me to do, as soon as I make no difference anymore, I am not retiring here on earth. I am not retiring on earth. I'm going to keep working in the kingdom, for the kingdom, lifting up the name of the king, and I'm going to get better and better and better and better in him. And when it's over, can I go quickly, please? I'm not going to sit here waiting. I'm pursuing God now. I'm going to pursue God then. I'm not going to wait around. I'm going to live my life for him. Sometimes it is for us to realise what God is doing in us, what he's doing in us. You know, when God speaks to us, when he first meets us, let's imagine we're over here. So this is me over here, minding my own business, leading my life, slightly discontent, but hey, God steps into my life. He says, Gary, I love you. Come on a journey with me. And I say, yes, and amen. This is exciting. Give me a hug. It's wonderful. We fall in love with Jesus for the first time. And it's brilliant. But you know what? God's come to where we're at. He's like that. God is really good. But you know where God's at? And he's come on a journey to meet you and me. And he embraces us where we're at. And he puts his arms around us. And it's all good. We're having a party. And then God, he wants to go there. That's where he wants to go. Hey, Gary. Come over here. Come over here. (laughs) You don't feel close anymore, Lord. I know you're still there, but you don't feel close. What's going on? Have you deserted me? Have you left me? Am I on my own? You foolish boy. I'm just here. You just need to take a step towards me. In the arms of my saviour once more. It's party time. It's party time. Me and God are really close. Yeah? Yeah, we are really close, aren't we? Oh, no! He's done it again! He keeps going over there. Oh, this is a journey. The presence of God, it's lovely, it's wonderful, I feel close. Everything's going right, I'm being blessed, 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 blessed. Then he does it again and again and again and again. And he takes us on a journey. It's not that he's pulling away from us. He never pulls away from us like that. He just steps closer into heaven. And he says, come with me on this journey. Take a step towards me. That's why we go through the things we go through. He wants us to get into that better place with him. Hey, you know Moses? You might have heard of him. He's one of those characters in the Bible. Yeah? And he took the Israelites. Where did he take the Israelites? What do you think? Where was he taking? Where did God tell him to take the Israelites? Where do we think? Yeah? We think it's the promised land, don't we? We think it's the promised land. It wasn't. He didn't take them to the promised land. 
He went to Pharaoh and God gave him a word. Let my people go that they may come into the wilderness to worship me. God called them into the wilderness. There's the promised land. Here's us. Guess what's in between? The wilderness. And he calls us into the wilderness that we may know him. He calls us into the wilderness that we may know him. God did not call them to the promised land and he does not call us to the promised land. There is a promised land and he's taking us there. Too right, you can believe God's promises. It's coming true. Everything you want in your heart that is from God is going to be fulfilled in God. Nothing will be denied. You will have a wonderful eternity. i got some bad news for you. Well, apparently it's bad news to some people in Maidenhead when I say this. I'm going to be there as well. and We're going to be friends forever. Apparently, not being able to ever get away from me is, is, is quite a burden to some people. <laughs> uh, we, we've decided that God has prepares large mansions now and you can shut the door. You can keep out the irritatingly happy ones, apparently. So, but he calls us into the wilderness to worship him and to know him. He wants us to know the promise maker, not the promise If God takes you straight into the promised land, it becomes a place of idolatry. You start start worshipping the blessing. You're meant to worship God. You're meant to worship God, not the blessings. He gives you the blessings. He wants to bless you. Of course he wants to bless you. He wants to pour out great things in your life. But he doesn't call you to blessing. He calls you to worship. He calls you to love. He calls you to a relationship. Go and meet God in the wilderness. And God will lead you to the promised land. But look for God. Don't look for the blessing. I um, A year ago, I was in, about a year and a half ago, I was in a really, really brilliant place with God. And I prayed some prayers. I was driving in my car down to Wildfires. It's not this year, but the year before. And I was driving there. And um, I was having a great time. I was worshipping. And... I said, God, do with me what you want. I said, I want you to make the best of me that you can do. I really love you, and I want you to make the best of my life that you can. Take me on a journey with you, and I know I won't like it. So whenever I am struggling and resisting you, just ignore me and carry on. I'll give you permission to do that, even though I won't like it in the moment. So I prayed that prayer, and God answered me, and he said to me, Oh yeah, and I did. I, well, the other bit I put in it was, I said, "Lord, I know to love you is to obey you. Are there any commands you want me to obey?" And he said, "Yeah, I'm going to do. I'm going to answer your prayer." And his, let's start with the first commandment: "You shall have no other gods before me. You shall have nothing, no other gods before me." I thought that's a strange one to give me. And you know, and over the last year, until about three months ago. God then took me through a process which was so painful of showing me the things that I loved more than him or the things that were important to me. And I won't go into all the details, but I saw my own insecurities, I saw my own needs, um, my own attempts to try and fulfill those needs, my own hurt and my pain. And, you know, I've probably, I've probably in the last year, until about three months ago, um, I probably was in tears at least three times a week. 
just struggling with the pain of my own emotions and feelings and hurt over things and realising that some of the things I wanted for my own life were never going to happen. They were gone. And yet I had always kept a hope for those things to happen in my life. And so it's no, it's no big sort of tragic story about this event or that event, but it's about hope and ambition in things that weren't God. Having a false God, wanting something that God didn't... Well, well, I don't know what God wants in all this, but he wants me to know him and to love him and to put him first. And that was so painful. But, you know, in all of that, I remembered what I'd prayed and I remembered that God said, I'll answer your prayer. And I knew in all that and I was praying and crying and saying, God, this hurts so much. I cannot do this anymore. Oh, yeah, I asked you to ignore me. Rats. Um, (laughs) But let's keep going. Let's keep going. And I couldn't see an end to the pain I was feeling. I couldn't see um, an end to that hurt. And, And then God ended it and he said, it's finished. You belong to me. I'm not, I'm not claiming that I've got all the way there. Please don't mistake what I'm saying. I'm not claiming that for myself. But I'm claiming I did this. The next step in the journey, I got a little bit closer to him. So I'm going to finish with one verse now. I hope we're still okay. Yeah, one, 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 one little verse to finish. Okay, this came to me the other day. It's Galatians 5, verse 1. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Well, I, I know that verse. We all know that verse. It sounds good. But to me, there's too many uses of the word free or freedom in there. Because isn't that a bit obvious? It was for freedom that Christ has set us free. Well, yeah, it's kind of stated in Christ has set us free. That's what I thought. You, you may already understand this better than I did until a few weeks ago. It's, what does that mean? Well, I had this picture. That's the one. You guys are good here. They're good. They know when to press the button. It was for freedom that Christ has set us free. I got this idea of a prison cell. Okay? And we've all been prisoners to certain things, haven't we? We've all been locked up with certain things. And when Christ sets us free, what he does is he unlocks the door. He unlocks the door to the prison. You can see there, the door is being unlocked. That's Christ. Christ has set us free. But what's he set us free for? It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Our job is to walk out the door. Our job is to walk into freedom, into the great unknown, beyond. When people come out of prison and they've been there all their lives, they don't know what the world is like out there. It may have changed from when they were young, It may be completely different. They may have nothing. They may own nothing. They may have nothing. They have got to find a new life for themselves. And it is quite scary and people get institutionalized. But it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. So my encouragement to you today is whatever whatever it is in your life, he has opened the door. And he says, come and explore with me. Come and dance with me. Come and find new worlds with me. Come and find hope with me. Come and find life with me. It's for freedom that I have set you free. Amen. Amen. Bless you. Thank you. Yeah, thank you for that word. Isn't God amazing?
because 